Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Can you be financially free or retire in just one year? Now, this is a question that a lot of people have, not in a year's time frame, just meaning, can I actually become financially free? Could I retire? And there's a few things we're going to talk about in this episode about that. First of all, I think everyone instinctively knows, okay, yes, theoretically, it's possible, right? But then also, I think people believe it's so unlikely that there's no reason to try. I think that the reason they believe that it's so unlikely there's no reason to try is partially due to the fact of the options to get there, meaning there is an unlimited amount of opportunities and options of which all of them could result in your goal. Now, the path may be completely different. And because of the complexity of opportunities and the execution that is associated with each one of them, the pros and the cons with all of investing startups or economic strategies, um, it is like an infinite array of possibilities. And in our head, we don't believe it's like I have to pick one. And we believe if I either pick one and it's the wrong one, I won't do it. Or I have to have inherent skills that'll match. And so then all of a sudden, it's just this absolute web of future opportunities that may or may not result in the end goal. And that causes our brain to literally shut down. And it creates opportunity loss because of inaction. And this is one of the biggest problems that I think people have. And it's not that it's just something in the head. It, this is a real actual problem. Uh, because in order to achieve the goal, you need to very, be very focused. You need to have a very direct strategy. And two, you need to work your brains out. Now, there's a lot of people that I hear saying things like, this idea of hustle culture is bad and you don't need to hustle, right? And here's the problem that I have with that. Those people are all saying that after they hustled and reached their goal. So they are at a point in their life where they don't need to hustle. And the idea of hustling is not just simply working. This isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about feedback loops. And we'll get into that. But first, what you need to understand is that there's different outcomes with different strategies, different assets, different businesses, okay? Applying these strategies, execute or excuse me, applying resources and executing strategies, right, is an opportunity cost. This therefore makes people worried about actually executing. It's not just the worry of failure, which is a big one that stops people. It really is. But I think more is an opportunity cost. Now, 
there's some big fallacies with that, right? The opportunity cost doesn't mean that the opportunity to do something else doesn't go away. That's not true at all. Um, and the opportunity cost is still there if you're not doing anything. So the opportunity cost is inherent. Whether you are moving forward or not, you still lose the time. Because moving forward and action creates shorter feedback loops in your learning and you get better at strategy applying and move closer to the goal by doing. So the actual inherent act of doing is getting you towards the goal, whether or not you change ideas, strategies, it doesn't work. You're still pressing on and moving forward. Now, people may say, I don't want to lose the money, right? But the money loss is there. Uh, I think of it like this. If my money isn't growing, it's already lost. That's why me and other wealthy people, they do not like cash. Because whether I lose it or gain way is better than just having it sit around. Now, I'm not saying you throw crap, take risks. I'm not saying you lose money, right? The goal and the number one rule is to not lose money. Now, that's especially important once you have it and especially important when you're investing. Why? Because of the compounding nature of capital, right? You lose the opportunity to compound, so it'd be better to slower compound than longer compound. But if you're trying to condense financial freedom, if you're trying to condense your opportunities and you don't want to retire in 50 years through so slow compounding nature of capital, you have to do things differently. Now, if you want to compress that time frame, you have to do things differently. And this is the problem with saying you don't need to hustle, you don't need to do any of that kind of stuff to be successful, right? You, you don't, you don't, it, it's 100% true. But if you're trying to condense the results in timeframes, you also have to condense the time in which you take actions, in which you learn. I don't know why that is even debated. It's actually fairly common sense. And two, the act of actually doing and working through the problems is increasing odds. So before we get into that, a lot of people know me as kind of the storage guy, right? But um, uh, Something a lot of people don't know is I own lots of other businesses and I actually didn't get started in uh, storage. I also own other commercial assets. Um, I own leasing. We lease to uh, commercial assets. We also have industrial type units and office. Um, so we do other things. But a lot of my content is geared towards storage. Now, the reason being is that is by far the biggest piece of everything that we do. But that's why we have this podcast and we have the podcast because whether you pick an asset class that is storage, another one, whether you start a business, at the end of the day, these fundamentals are all the same. And so with a lot of my content that's focused on storage, I can't explore that. But the things that made me successful in storage are not storage specific. Let me repeat that. The things that made us so successful in the self-storage industry have nothing to do with self-storage. And because of that, I want to apply resources to it. That's why... Brittany Arneson and I started The Circle. So if you don't know what The Circle is, it is our uh, group that we have 
that is kind of like a mastermind. It's our community, right, that has everything to do with scaling, growing, and do, doing more sooner, right? Or as Brittany says, you know, uh, going big sooner and condensing these timeframes and some of the stuff that we talked about. Why? Because the main system of growth is knowledge. And if you're doing it on your own versus learning it from somebody else, it makes a big difference. When I got started, my growth was way slower than any of you it probably would be to today. Why? Because there was no knowledge. There, I didn't, there wasn't books on self-storage. There wasn't social media. At the time, we were just learning from scratch, right? We don't need to do that now. So when we're talking about achieving metrics or goals within a time frame, you have the application part, but you also have the education part, right? You don't know what you don't know. But this is something that I talk a lot about between uh, static and dynamic knowledge. Static knowledge is only as good as it is uh, can be applied. So dynamic knowledge is the knowledge of success. It is the knowledge of opportunity. That's why you find that um, like the educational system has a lot of thinkers, but most of the time their application is not relevant at all. In fact, it won't even work. Um, and so being coming uh, college educated and graduating from college means you have a degree, but it doesn't mean you have a purpose. It doesn't mean you have any use. And then you go into the business and you have to relearn everything anyways. Um, and st so static knowledge is good, but it's not that important if it's not applied. When you look at knowledge and what you're doing, you want to gain static knowledge. So you want to gain a book, have the morsels that allow you to develop an underlying strategy in your mind. And then you need to apply those things to even see if it'll work, how it'll work, because every point in time is different. So what we try to do with like the circle is we try to bring static knowledge and show it in an application base from not just us, but also other people. This has a dramatic effect on your learning, and it's the number one thing you can do to condense your time frame. That is, have mentors, learn from others, and see things in practice. I was obnoxious about this when I started out. I would talk to everybody about investing business strategies. I would go and I'd set up meetings with them. I'd go meet in their offices and I had to do it obviously very manually. And I had to compare notes, I had to see, and I tried lots of different things, many of which failed. So the idea is that you are condensing the time frame, you're allocating resources, you are shortening the length in which your feedback loops are delivered. You have benchmarks on the application of what you're doing so you can actually judge it, right? And you can speed up that process. Now, there's fundamentals that should show you out of all of these options and everything you're looking at, what the education part and the fundamentals really do is with every strategy or asset class, there are pros and cons. Now, with me, certain pros and cons fit better than you or somebody else. So when you're looking at getting started or even scaling, because a lot of people get started, but then they never scale on what they got started too, because they're actually two different things, right? And one asset may be really good to start in, but really bad to scale. Single family homes, right? Excellent to get started in. Very hard to scale. Um, you have very small margins. It's hard to build a system around it because cash flow is not productive. Uh, predicated on operations, right? It's a very simple fundamental principle. So somebody that says, I want to make X a year, 
I want some income, right? But I don't want a lot and I don't want to build an empire, things like that, right? They may go storage. Uh, that's not for me, right? But somebody that wants something that they can scale, that they can build a lot on, they may have said, oh, storage is great because of the operations component, which allows me to build a system of execution. That was me, right? And there's all sorts of other things and everything in between and choosing that asset. So starting out, you need to look at assets and businesses and the pros and cons of what it takes to apply those businesses and how that lines up with you. Do you have any inherent skills? Do you have inherent, um, not even skills, just interest, right? Is that something that you say, I think I would be good at or that you are naturally good at? As in, you're good at those things in the process. Are you analytical, right? So you're like, all I have to do is really be very analytical, make good decisions off of data and allocate capital, but I don't have to do anything operational. I don't have to sell. I don't have to do anything like that. That is going to make a big difference in what you choose and why you choose it, obviously. And then you need to look at, are those things going to get me where I want to go? Then lots of people say, well, they're not because I want to go bigger, shorter, and maybe those things won't. That doesn't mean it's not. It just means you've now identified a part that you need to offset. So then you need to learn, okay, do I partner? Do I offset with those other skills, with those other people? And then bring those things together to execute. So the foundational stuff is really important to figure out where you're going to go. Real estate, right, in general is a slower strategy, but a more perfected one, meaning there's less risk in general. There's never not risk. It's slower, but it's kind of going to happen. So for a lot of real estate investors, the idea is, and the idea with me was protect short-term downside so I can get the long-term benefits. Then I would apply business strategies in other asset classes and businesses to generate income to put into real estate. Then I figured out I don't even need to do that. I can have my business strategies and everything in real estate. And from there, we built a scalable real estate solution. But that meant I had to change the way I was doing it. All right, we need to take other people's money. We need to have other lines of revenue. We need to figure out deal flow, right? Things like that. It became much more hands-on. And I put those two worlds together and that created a system that was incredible at scaling through real estate. Now, when you look at the landscape, some people may not want real estate for a whole host of reasons. Maybe that's they have no money. They know they can get money, but they really don't want to do what it takes. You know, there's a lot of options out there. One of the things that I'm big on is I, um, I call it digital real estate, but assets that are created in the digital landscape that actually bring in revenue from uh, uh, tenants, meaning that we are constructing um, uh, sites or centralized locations that we are renting out traffic um, or leads to select people. So we have actual landscape that's set up. We have it moving forward. We have the tenants, right? Traffic is coming to that spot like real estate and the tenants are renting it out. Digital real estate. I'm working on that with my kids. Why? Because my kids want to start businesses. They want to start investing. That can be done with very little capital or none at all. Uh, meaning you can literally work if you would say, I will just pick a niche, I'll pick a contract. If you go through all the legwork to figure out what you should be doing on the website stuff, I may make three and then I'm going to do the work to build out the SEO. 
and I'm going to build out the site, right? I mean, my wife can build out a site in a night and then you can just upload content every night. You're watching a Netflix show, sit on your bed, build out content and have a strategy around it to monetize it, okay? So there's cheaper ways and ways that maybe you're like, I don't have to interact with people. It really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But you don't actually know that when you get started. Why? Because you can't. So you, meaning not that you don't know if it'll work. You don't know if you're going to like it. You don't know if you have skills that necessarily lend to it. And a lot of times success is more to do about failure than it has anything to do with success. It was for me. My success was driven by my greatest failure. I wanted to scale the insurance business. There was a few things that I wanted to do. First of all, I did not want to take business investors that could have actual say in the business that would have equity ownership um, and controlling because the business was predicated on my work. And I didn't want them to have access to my time and be like a boss. So I thought we'll do it with our own money. And what we'll do is we'll buy up smaller firms that I can buy on, let's say, one and a half times earnings. We'll bring them into ours, which we could get a higher multiple of earnings. That's instant equity. We get that revenue. We get those personnels. We'll grow it, right? This, I was like, this is amazing. This is going to be great. We can scale this. We can do it. I got so tired of selling one-off accounts. This is going to be awesome. So I started doing this. And we had one firm that we bought and the uh, person we bought it from's wife went and took the four biggest or the two biggest clients, which equaled 40 plus percent of the revenue uh, because she hadn't signed a non-compete because she wasn't in, in the business. So her husband had her go do it. It was total fraud. Um, and the business valuation disappeared. And it was a hard lesson that I learned because I didn't control that revenue. I didn't own it. It wasn't mine. It was a client. I was a middleman. And so the value that I bought was predicated on that revenue staying. And all it took was two months after we bought it for the value to evaporate and disappear. And there was nothing I could do. Um, I learned really quickly there was a big flaw to my system and that those would come and I needed to decrease, either decrease that rate, but I also needed more capital to buy those multiples of revenue. And I don't get to leverage it like I did in real estate. I didn't own the revenue. And it just, it really came full circle on me. I, I remember literally I was sitting, I think it was in a hot tub at the JW Marriott as I was trying to take care of this business imploding and everything and just beside myself on what to do. And I'm looking up at the JW Marriott and I'm like, you know what? The people that own this thing, they don't live here. They have nothing to do with it. All these people that are renting out rooms every night, they don't care about, they, they don't even know who the owners is. Nobody knows who the owners are. They're utilizing the service and they don't get to use it unless the owners allow them to. They own it. They own everything here. And it was at that moment that I'm like, all right, I need to scale. I need to be able to reallocate funds into an investment that gets me a known rate of return because I wanted to have a predictable, measurable method of creating wealth and income. And then I knew capital would fuel that. So it was at that time that I looked back at the storage that we were doing and it was like, we're, I'm going to put gas on this. This is actually the hidden thing. The reason why I didn't like it before was because, or not that I didn't like it, we were investing in it, but I didn't view it as a scalable system was because of time. 
And so then I applied what I wanted to do in the other industry over self-storage that we had, which was basically a retirement plan. Those two things came together and that was wealth magic. That, that caused a boom in our uh, overall wealth income, financial stability, and saved me when I became paralyzed. So remember, I spent years perfecting that other thing only to learn after 13 years of my life doing it that I was never going to do that thing anymore again. And I've st I started up other firms and I resold them and then I got completely out of it. My biggest failure led to my biggest success. So was that an opportunity loss for me? Did I lose the 13 years that I was becoming an expert in group insurance? That I learned all my sales skills? That I looked at cash flow because I had to because all we had was cash coming in from clients because we were paid on commissions. Then we had expenses to service the clients. So everything that I did was a cash-based thought process. No, that all lent me to my business that I have today and helped me. Now, it's preferable that you do things faster, right? And you, and you learn. Um, but you notice I was doing multiple things at once and I was learning um, and that led to our success. You learn and I was reading information that I was applying into the benefits world and then I was reading information applying it into the real estate world. But I hadn't come to my thing. I hadn't come to my my fully where I'm like, this is what I do. I feel good about it. I get it. I understand it. And it fits me. It fits. It, it didn't work out like that. Too many people think it does. Too many people, I think, look at us and they're like, oh, yeah, you just saw storage and was like, oh, this is it. That's just not how reality works. And you shouldn't put that on yourself. So you need to look at the fundamentals. You need to learn what benefits you, what you're good at, which I did a good job. So I picked storage and insurance and I, I was good at those things, right? And I had a mentor on the insurance side that was my dad. He taught me how to sell insurance. That's what he did. I was going around with him when I was 15 years old, driving around Southern Idaho to these towns that nobody knows of and talking about insurance to people. So I'd learned from him that helped my bell curve right? Shorten that time frame up to sell insurance, which helped me out. Um, but we didn't have that in storage. We had to go out and find those things. We had to learn it. So condensing that time frame, looking at the options, understanding them, but then you got to apply it. If you want to become financially free in one year, here's the things that you need to understand. First of all, that time frame that we're talking about is very condensed. If you're starting out with scratch, you need to you, uh, you need a system that is not correlated with your time. You need to be able to scale on a unit and volume basis, meaning that I'm either need to sell or buy lots of things, but they need to be smaller or bigger. So you're getting magnitude and velocity that helps propel it. Okay. And you need something that can be executed quickly. So when you look at building this out, Lots of people may go to either smaller things or bigger things. It doesn't matter. You can either do one big deal and risk it all and say, that did it, right? Maybe it's one storage facility and boom, I'm retired. That's not a bad way to go. You say, I'm going to find investors. I'm going to find the deal. I'm going to put it together. And in a year, boom, I'm done. That's big magnitude. So that means you're going after the big, big deal. Or you may start smaller and say, I'm going to build cash flowing websites, 
but that maybe makes me 150 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month or whatever that number might be. And then you're like, I need to build then a hundred of these, right? So one side you have the extreme, the other side you have the extreme. What I say is merge the two together. So if you can merge those two together, maybe you buy three small facilities, right? Or maybe you build websites, but you build bigger websites, you put more money into them and you have it instead of two, 300 bucks, you get cash flow of 800 bucks a month, which then reduces the amount you need to have. So when you look at what you wanna do and what you're willing to do, you have to find the system that will work within those assets. And that's really, really important. Then you need to find a mentor that will help that shorten that learning curve. Because if you're doing it in a year, you don't have time. You don't have time to say, I'm going to learn for five years. Go out, find somebody else. Get with other people, learn from them. Get the hacks, get the shortcuts, okay? Then you need to usually have money, people, not usually. You need money, you need people, and you need systems. So you need to find people that you can either partner with, learn from, right? That can help you do all the things that you can't do. That may be building, that may be buying, that may be acquiring. You have to build that team out. Without that team, you can't do it. Next, you need money. You're either going to generate it, you're going to get it from other people, or you're going to get a loan. Those are your options, right? Either one doesn't matter. You may sell or finance your storage deal. That's great. That's an incredible option. Or you may sell or finance uh, apartment deal like Brit did, or you may, um, you know, have cash and you're like, I want to just use my capital. So I'm going to do websites because I can use a lot less to get more cash from it because I can get a higher return and I can buy small websites and get a higher cash on cash return. So then I'm just going to go do that, right? Th those are all possibilities. And then you need to immediately get started and you need to immediately worry about progress, not perfection, and then document everything. You need to learn from it and close those feedback loops. You have to hustle. You have to look exactly, when I do this, what happens? I need to document it and I need to learn. We don't do this, these things in the business, we do these things, and then I need to do more of them. And this process needs to be shortened down into weeks and months timeframe. And as you work on this nonstop, you hustle your brains out, you can do in a year what most people think would take a lifetime. Um, it's totally doable. You're just simply shortening the curve and hacking the time frame. Um, literally, I do that with like every business we start. So if I'm going to do a business and I'm going to start the thing, I just simply hack it. I'm actually going to do a whole thing on how to retire with $100,000 in one year. Um, so that'll be coming out. You guys are all seen. I've already started the process. I've already taken the $100,000 and, and I'm going to do it. Um, and then show everybody how in six months to a year, you can completely retire off uh, $100,000. So as long as you learn how to hack the timeframes in the system, right, then you can apply it. Uh, but you got to go through it. You got to learn. You got to start. You got to get moving. And most people, because they don't have the direction, the knowledge, that's what they do. They fail to start. And time, you guys, is the worst opportunity cost in the world because you don't ever get it back and there's no replacing it. And time is magnified like leverage astronomically. So every month that you wait, it is not, oh, I missed a month, so I'm just a month. It's not how time works. That's not how economic principles work because every month that you don't start, the months after if you did, would have been applied and leveraged. 
So you're compounding your opportunity loss through not doing it. I realized that about seven years ago and it terrified me. And I realized I've got to be start doing things. I got to put things into action. So what I did is I accepted a reasonable amount of loss and I accepted a reasonable amount of loss in capital as well as time. And I gave myself rules. I can lose this much. I can spend this much time. And then I need to pull the plug. Now, it doesn't mean that I was successful or not. I pulled the plug if certain metrics didn't show growth. So what you need to do is you need to set up rules for you. And once you have rules, then you don't care about the loss. I don't care about the time I'm applying and my rules will dictate whether I keep going, whether I stop, whether I should do it again. The application then is being guided by a formula, a foundation, and takes the emotion out. That's exactly what we do every single day. We stop systemic risk. We don't allow it. So I'm not okay with risk, like at all. Like I, I, I don't want anything that could ever stop me or take me down. Why? Because that's the biggest hurdle or sorry, that's the biggest thing that will impede you from growth is that you do one thing that stops your growth overall. Don't do that. Do smaller things, mitigate risk. Don't let it be systemic. Okay. And then from there, go and let the rules guide your actions and then set up discipline. So what do I need to do on a weekly daily basis to get that goal? This comes down to our impact corner right? And we talk a lot about this, the books coming out soon, we're like halfway through it, we got to literally take and like apply all of our impact systems here, put in the book. But um, when we when you do that, then it's a measured outcome that is applied that has nothing to do with emotion, right? You often hear, hear people that are ripped, they're in really good shape, and everything like so, you know, what do you do when you go, don't want to go to the gym, right? The answer is simple, I go to the gym, right? Because the desire is irrelevant. It doesn't matter, right? It's the th same thing like, what do you do when you don't want to go to work? You go to work. Um, and you just have to make that decision. And you have to move forward with it. And you have to apply what that means. So it's not like you get up and you're like, I don't know what to do. No, you should have an outlet. Every single day, I need to do these things, right? Every week, I need to do these things. And at the end of the week and at the end of the month, I measure, did I do all these things? And what were the output? And do I need to make changes? This is systematic progress that is measurable, that is tangible, that can be seen, that means you can change it. That means you can improve it. And if you cannot improve actions, you cannot progress. And if you cannot, and if you do not measure actions, you cannot change actions. So by doing those things, you are hijacking time and you're condensing it and you're putting it in your corner and you're leveraging it. That's what it's all about. All right, everybody. I know I've covered a lot and I know there's a lot of things in here that we, we kind of uh, uh, went over the whole spectrum. And at the end of the day, if you're saying, oh, I expected a one, two, three, four step process and I would be successful, you're not ever going to be successful. That's just not how it works. No matter what the guy selling the course says, no matter what the guy that, you know, is trying to sell you something says, that's not how success works. Don't let anybody fool you. Failure is part of the game. Okay. Work is part of the game. Learning is part of the game. Whoever fails fastest and limits risks 
and then can leverage their time, get started immediately, and learns the fastest. So whoever limits risks and failures, starts sooner, and learns fastest, wins. They grow. They progress. Then take that and apply that onto the asset and strategies that you want to do to get you to your goal. Applying that over an asset class allows you to really move forward and go. It's not a lottery system that we're doing. You don't just win wealth. You don't win retirement, right? That's not how this works. It's not like you, you know, you're given these things. They're created. The process of creation is more important than the outcome of creation. And the more that you understand, identify, and fine-tune that, the more you can be successfully, uh, successful almost effortlessly. And that's why people say hustle culture is not needed or you don't need to do it. Why? They've already done it and they gained the knowledge and the process to do. So they don't have to hustle. They've already figured out how to hijack and they're just like, man, I don't need to spend all this time when I could just apply it. And then they look at other people and they're like, well, if you just did this, you don't need to hustle all the time. Yeah, if I knew what you knew, right? So don't take shortcuts, do the work, get to work, limit risk, and you can do incredible things in short amount of time and you can do more of them. I often hear, I don't know how you do so much. I don't know how you are so busy. You own all these companies. You sit on boards. Your wife built and owned the school. You have four kids, on and on and on and on. Um, and they're like, I don't get it. I don't know how you do so much. And it's because I learned. I learned how to do more. So now I can do more with less effort. It is a learned skill. It is not a given skill. And you have to learn by doing. All right, everybody. I hope that's helpful. Uh, I hope you guys like this one. It's a, it's an awesome subject. I love it. You want to learn more about the circle, go check it out. It's in the show notes. Um, and I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks.